Welcome to the program, UFO Warning. In this episode, we're going back in time to 1980 to talk about a sighting that happened down under in Australia. I found this one on news.com.au, but it's on some other sites as well. And the headline reads, South Australian brothers say they witnessed two UFOs in conflict before 1980 Stirling crash. The article begins, nearly 40 years ago, Phil Tyndale believes he witnessed what can only be described as an air battle between two, UFO, between two UFOs, which ended with one crashing to the earth. It was about 9.30 on Thursday, February 7, 1980, and he was at home in the South Australian town of Aldergate when his twin brother Rob called out from his bedroom, Phil, come and check this out. From their window, looking down the valley towards Stirling, about 20 minutes southeast of Adelaide, the 10-year-old saw a bright yellow object bobbing around, just above the tree line, about a kilometer away. After a few minutes, Phil says a second, slightly larger object appeared, emitting a red light, and what he describes is almost cartoon-like motion. It zoomed up to the yellow object, stopped and reversed, then did it again, as if to prompt a reaction. The yellow object then took off with the red object in pursuit. They zigzagged across the sky like two blowflies, changing direction instantly with no apparent inertia and covering distances he later estimated to be up to a half a kilometer in less than a second. Throughout the chase, which Phil says lasted several minutes, the yellow object would periodically stop in mid-flight and shake back and forth as if caught by some invisible force before freeing itself. Neither object made any noise. Eventually, the yellow object sped off and disappeared behind a hill, and the red object also vanished. In total, he believes the entire sighting lasted about 15 minutes. Rob Tyndale confirmed his brother's account. Certainly, there were two lights. One appeared to be chasing the other. They both dipped below the horizon, he said. It was a very memorable thing. The same night, a local farmhand, 21-year-old Daryl Brown, reported seeing a speedboat-shaped yellow thing, like a half-moon, crash into some trees near the horse farm where he lived, in the exact area where the brothers last saw the object. According to newspaper reports, Mr. Brown told police he was watching TV that night when his dogs began howling. And then I heard the trees smashing, he said. I locked the kids inside and went out with a torch. Mr. Brown shone the flashlight into the trees and saw the object, which was about 25 to 30 feet long, and it was not emitting uh, sound or light. He called the police, but the object had disappeared by the time they arrived. At the time, police told media only that there were unexplained broken branches and no other physical evidence. Mr. Brown was interviewed by investigators from UFO Research South Australia the next day, who published a report in that month's UFO Research Australia newsletter. For Phil, 49, the strange sighting was nothing more than a campfire story for the next 30 years or so. It wasn't until 2009 that he decided to investigate further, revisiting the scene of the crash and delving deep into the UFO topic. He believes their sighting is unique, saying as he had saying he has been unable to find virtually any reports of conflict between UFOs. He says he is one hundred percent convinced 
what he saw was extraterrestrial and not military craft. Over the years, I've done lots of reading, but also personal investigation, contacting people one-to-one. There are loads of people out there who just don't report it, don't talk about it, he said. Not everyone has a fantastically compelling sighting. Often it's just lights in the sky, but there are a significant number of sightings where there is an object that is so far beyond our capability it has to be extraterrestrial. Rob said he was probably a bit more conservative than his brother about certain aspects of the UFO topic. But if you had to guess what it was they saw that night, I would tend on the extraterrestrial side. Certainly in the 80s and even these days, the fact that the objects made these quick jerky motions couldn't have happened with the technology we've got, he said, adding that it hadn't particularly affected him. It wasn't like a close encounter. It was just seeing some lights in the sky, like watching a meteorite. The article goes on to say, Interest in the UFO subject has been revitalized in the past two years, since the New York Times published a bombshell article revealing the existence of a Pentagon UFO study program. In the same article, a former high-ranking U.S. Navy fighter pilot recounted chasing a tic-tac-shaped UFO. Phil said Commander David Fravor's description of the object's movement resembled what he saw. The instant acceleration, nothing can do that unless you've mastered the force of gravity, not using any conventional propulsion, he said. He says he has considered everything in terms of other possible explanations for what he saw, but the movement of the craft were simply impossible using any conventional propulsion. There must be a million people like me who have seen things but don't report them, he adds. In South Australia, at least, Phil is not alone. UFO sightings have been reported in the state since the early 20th century, but surged during the Cold War. The most famous case was the 1988 incident with the Knowles family, who said they were driving along the remote Nullarbor plane when a large glowing object like a big ball chased them and lifted their car off of the ground. Paul Corneau from South Australia Astronomical Society said it was still common to get from several dozen to hundreds of UFO reports a year in the state. Probably for every 10 cases you get 9 can be explained in mundane terms, Mr. Colonel told ABC last year. Quite often people report a little silver dot in the sky and it turned out to be an aircraft. A lot of these things like planes, satellites, planets, etc. can all add up. The point is, the 10% are not explained. Now, I want to go here, if we can, to a second one. There was another article that did a little better job talking about um, what was seen at the uh, crash site. And from the New Zealand Herald, we learn that Mr. Brown says, shown the flashlight into the trees and saw the object, which was about 25 to 30 feet long, and was not emitting sound or light. He called police, but the object had disappeared by the time they arrived. What we find out, though, is that after the police arrived, they did witness that the trees had been damaged 100 foot up in the air. There were broken branches. Then they called in the Australian International UFO Research Group, led by C.O. Norris. Now, they did a thorough investigation and wrote a report, which you can find online, and 
we'll go over it at some later point possibly. But they found that the branches were broken, of course, and they found uh, unusually high levels of infrared uh, readings, they said. So whatever was there left behind uh, some type of heat signature for the infrared to show up like that. And that would make sense. These things have got to be putting off a lot of heat when they're converting that much energy, you know, that much whatever they're doing into energy. To travel at those kinds of speeds, making those kinds of maneuvers, you would think these things have got to be putting off some sort of heat. And that's what seems like it's what happened here. So all in all, this was a good sighting. You had a couple of young kids who saw these two uh, UFOs, two witnesses, record. They have, they have given their account how they saw these two UFOs uh, interacting with, with each other in what appeared to be aggressive actions on the part of one. They described the yellow uh, UFO, which appears to have been disabled at some point, or somewhat, uh, the craft was some injured somehow, like it's, trying to, like it's trying to chase the red craft, but it's being stopped. It's being held in some sort of gravitational limbo. And this goes along with, like, like the one witness pointed out, with the recent uh, UFO patents by the Navy and with what the Navy video show where these, it, it appears as though these craft are able to manipulate gravity. As the Navy talked about wanting to patent a way to, man, to a gravitational wave manipulation machine, say. And they also have some sort of compact super high power power plant. As the Navy said, up to a trillion watts. And that's the kind of power plant you would take to make the maneuvers that these things were making. They fit the definition of the tic-tac UFO, as they're calling them now. The second part of this sighting was uh, the crash that was, rec was recorded by the 21-year-old gentleman. He comes out with his flashlight, looks up in the trees, 100 foot off the ground, and here is this yellow craft perched up there in the trees. Calls the police. The police show up, but the craft is gone. But they still, the police still record that the branches were broken. Well, that's proof that something was up there and broke those branches. It would seem very unlikely that the wind would come along and just snap those branches off. You know, I would have thought this fellow living there in Australia would have been used to the sound of windstorms. He heard this crashing sound when this craft basically, basically crash-landed in the canopy of these trees. And then the third part of the story is... We have a respected UFO investigator shows up. He does a investigation using the scientific method. He's trying to measure things. He's using observations, and he measures he measures a unusually high amount of infrared uh, light, heat, whatever's there. He's got it there. So there's a record that something is out of the, <clears throat> out of the ordinary. You wouldn't expect this high infrared reading from a uh, wind gust. So that's what I think is so special about this sighting, even though it took place in 1980. You've got, you've got the witness sighting of this very unusual interaction. You have the witness sighting of the crash site. You have evidence from the crash site. And you have a legitimate investigation of the scene of the crash site. And all these things put together are very convincing, especially when we consider the the uh, reconstruction of events and context of what's been released recently by the Navy with these videos of how these UFOs acted with the fighter pilot. And this guy's watching the video and he says, hey man, this is just like what I saw. So overall, fascinating account. 
If you go to uh, the blog, ufowarning.blogspot.com, ufowarning.blogspot.com, I have links to the articles there, and I also have links to my YouTube channel. You can cruise over there and check out some videos I've started to put up uh, and uh, see what you think of that. Until next time, this is UFO Warning, over and out.